Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape the future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right. On this part of the Garlic Marketing Show book marketing series, we're going to talk something really, really cool, something different, which you have to be different. We're going to talk using NFTs to market and to increase your income streams. I've got Carrie Oberrunner. We're going to talk about preventing buyer whiplash, 18 streams of income, including the four income streams every author should have, the secret of the bounty link in the audiobook, Dave Goggins' audiobook strategy that he's using right now. Um, the value of a co-narrator in Audible, should you read your audiobook yourself, how to earn a PhD through Audible, and funding your book through NFTs, just how, really how to think about NFTs. I got Carrie. Carrie, thank you so much for being on. Hey, man, thanks. That was like the best intro, and I can't wait to learn with everybody on all this fantastic stuff. <laughs> and don't forget, this is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways to improve your book is through customer stories, and we can inc increase, not only help you capture those videos of your customer stories, strategize around using your books and throughout your marketing. Go to videocasestory.com to learn more. All right, let's get started. And Carrie is doing a lot of cool stuff around helping authors add sources of income through their book around publishing the books, but also we're gonna talk about NFTs, because I think this is one of those things that people uh, were, right now as we're sh shooting this it's in the dip and it's like i think every big thing it, it gets a dip before it becomes a big thing right amazon you look at tech dip you know and i i want to talk all about that but carrie let's talk a little bit about um you and your business first absolutely so i grew up in wisconsin now i live in ohio basically i was a nonprofit leader so i i worked in the church believe it or not. And the church was great, fantastic, but it felt claustrophobic a little bit because I'm hardwired to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know that. But I started writing books on the side starting in 2003, so almost 20 years. And I just wrote book one, two, three, four, and then kept thinking, gee, when is this going to land so I can, you know, do what I love full time. But it didn't land. And the reason why is because I didn't think of a book as an integrated product suite. And maybe that's the first aha for people today. Apple is one of the most valuable brands on planet Earth because they create an integrated product suite, AirPods, iPhone, iPad, MacBook Pro, they all work together. And so what I began to do is I started to treat my, my author career my book as an integrated product suite. So when I wrote my fourth book, I said, you know what, I'm gonna someday speak on this, so I might as well write the book as if I were speaking a keynote. So I did that. And then I wrote the book with a course in mind and with a membership community in mind and with a workshop in mind. And so what I actually did without trying intentionally, I wasn't that smart, but I said, uh, you know what, at the end of the day, look, I created the 18 streams of income. And as I did that, people began to take notice and say, well, how did you do that? And not being a business major, I'm like, ah, it's complex. 
and I and I just did my own thing for about three, four years. And then finally, after, I don't know, the 55th person asked me, I'm like, you know what, there's probably something here. So then I actually began to teach how to do that. And sure enough, people ate it up. And, and that's kind of what my publishing um, brand is now these days. Oh, I love it. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it is, and we have to think of everything holistically. Mm. But because I think people think of things tactically, like, I'm going to go write a book and then I'm going to do a podcast and then I'm going to, you know, do this and I'm going to do that. And they keep them all separate. Do you see that a lot? Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, well, I just spoke with a woman today on the phone and she's like, yeah, my book's coming out and, and I think I'm going to do a master class, and then I think I'm going to do a course and that's not bad, but that's like saying, let's buy a house and then maybe over the next 10 years, we'll build a addition and a pool and a driveway. What if you actually came into the equation saying, you know what, I'm going to build this um, pretty cool integrated product suite, or I'm going to build an empire, whatever you want to call it, but I'm going to build it with that in mind. You end up saving a ton of time, a ton of money. Your audience doesn't get whiplash because they're not like, oh, here's the next stream of income. Oh, wait, here's another one. Instead, you actually begin to um, create what's called a buyer's journey, where people just like uh, very few people just buy a MacBook, you know, desktop. Usually, what they do is they are familiar with iTunes, and then they say, "Oh, this is pretty cool. How it's keeping track of all my songs. I wonder if I could, you know, organize them on my iPhone and." What happens is is the buyer's journey is where your audience begins to know, like, and trust you. And if you know where you're pointing them, they don't feel like they're just going on a walk with you. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's that intention is super important. That's why, you know, I want to do this series because I think there there's a lack of attention in a lot of this that people are like, well, I'm going to do it step by step instead of integrating it. Plus, I feel like, I mean, you probably know this better, but it, it's a lot more work to do it step by step than thinking about it all at once, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look at Disney. You know, this this just popped in my head. Maybe it's a good example, maybe not. But, but you have Disney, and Disney bought a plot of land, and then they added on, and then they added on again, and then they, you know... Imagine if Disney would have been able to say, you know what, someday we're going to do all these parks and all these themes... Now, it's not easy to think that way, but when you do think that way, you think, oh my gosh, we could connect the, the, the train or the whatever you call it, I don't know, the monorail, whatever, whatever. We could connect it strategically versus now we got to bulldoze this and that. I think that this is the way we want to we wanna go. And because other people have gone before, authors today can say, you know what, that's what I want to achieve someday. I don't need to do all 18 at the same time, but I know where I'm headed. And as a result, uh, incredible things can happen. So we keep talking about the 18 streams of income. Yep. What are they? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll blow people's minds maybe with one stream of income that I'll just, I'll tell you what it is first, then I'll explain how it happened. Um, I took a mastermind to Shawshank Prison. And we did a book-based um, experience. Now, you might say, how the heck did you do that? Well, I wrote Day Job to Dream Job. 
And as I was writing that book, I said, you know what? Day job is like a Shawshank. It's like prison. And people become institutionalized. 86% of the population wants to leave their jobs, but they stay. Why? Because of the benefits. And then I began to say, you know what? What if we wrote a book called uh, Day Job to Dream Job? Dream Job is your Zewataneho. Your day job is your Shawshank. And you go from prison to plan to pay off. So I'm not from Ohio, so I Googled where Shawshank was, and sure enough, it was 90 minutes from my house. So in the writing process, I said, I'm going to go up there. I don't know anybody, but I'm going to figure out if I can write the book in Andy's cell. And sure enough, I went to the gift shop, explained that I was a writer, asked if I could go into Andy's cell and write the book, and sure enough, they let me. And as a result, yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. Um, and as a result, then... I befriended them and they asked me what I was doing and I said I, I want to launch this a year from now. They said, oh my gosh, come back. We're, launch we're having the 20th reunion. So why don't you launch the book at the 20th reunion with the celebrities? And so I launched the book with the warden, uh, Bob Gutton from, from Shawshank Redemption. And I mean, it then spun into uh, a keynote. It spun into a membership community, a mastermind. These are the things that, that happen. Of course, the first four income streams most authors should do. It's just hardcover, softcover, paperback. I'm sorry, hardcover, softcover, ebook, and audio. But a lot of authors don't leverage the audiobook. They don't realize that their audiobook produces a bounty link that they can include at the bottom of their email signature that when they send out 200 emails a week, it can say, hey, you know, enjoy my free audiobook when you start a Audible subscription. Well, that bounty link, when you click it, if people stay 61 days in that uh, Audible subscription, you earn a $70 bounty. So you can imagine that if you do that 10 times, you know, it's 700 bucks, 100 times $7,000. These are the types of things that we teach our authors it's the low-hanging fruit that most authors don't even recognize that they can do. Love it. And I, I think, yeah, I, I definitely think audiobooks are such a marketing, I mean, I think a lot of authors know that, but it's such a marketing, misused, underused piece of any business. Yes. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah, one thing we're doing right now, I mean, David Goggins can't hurt me made this famous but what he did is he basically had his um, narrator interview him at the end of each chapter and i highly recommend this because gary v's done it david sinclair has done it with lifespan i've done it with my authors where justin donald lifestyle investor or lee benson your most important number or even katrina ubell one of my authors that is releasing next next month what i do with them is i basically interview them and as a result there's a couple cool things that happen one is that there's fresh content so when your your true fans hear about that they say oh my gosh i want i want david goggins hardcover but i also want his audiobook because i'm going to get fresh content the other cool thing is that when you have the right co-narrator they can edify you in a non-salesy way, but they can essentially drop other ways that people can experience you. 
So for example, David Sinclair, his interviewer talks about their community or with Justin Donald, we talk about his mastermind or his masterclass. So these are again, non-salesy ways where as an author, you don't wanna be like, hey, I have this other thing and you know, you should do this. But when you have the right co-narrator, they can really create value and tease it out and provide other pathways for the, for the reader to um, experience. Audiobooks are also super hot because of course, you can listen to them while you're doing other things. So Brian Tracy, Darren Hardy, Jim Rohn, they all talked about something called a mobile university where they've done the research and the average person commutes enough that after three years, if they were listening to audio content, they could earn a PhD in that material. So although I've never done a master's in business, I have done a master's in divinity and a doctorate in leadership, but I've, I've earned many doctorates when you consider the audio books that I listen to. And then people say, you know, how can you retain that? Well, there's a really cool secret that a lot of people don't know, but when you have your iPhone, if you have an iPhone, you can have your notes app open. And so what you do is, you, you, I, you know, I'm just listening to the audiobook and mowing the lawn or unloading the dishes and then something amazing gets shared and I open my notes, I hit the microphone, I talk the note into my notes. And then once I hold my finger off the microphone, the audiobook continues. So that's a great way to research and retain more content with an audiobook. I love it. I love it. And and so once you get you know, once you have an audiobook, I wanna ask you this. What's your opinion? Do you feel like someone should read their own audiobook or should they get a narrator? I think you should read it yourself unless it's fiction. So I have a book called Elixir Project that has like 27 voices and it's a very cool book about a future society where people's brains get hacked. And there was no way I was gonna read that because there's Spanish, Australian, female, male. So what I did is I hired, believe it or not, um, I think I think the video game is it called is it called Five Nights at Freddy something like that but but uh, the one who is the baby character her name's Heather Masters and so she's a she's a famous actress and I basically hired her to read my audiobook and she does a great job and it's so much better than I could but for nonfiction absolutely I mean I just was on the phone with a client today and unfortunately his narrator mispronounced his business name throughout the entire audiobook. And so, I mean, you can imagine, oh yeah, it's horrible, yeah. And, and so, you know, they're not gonna get the inflections right, they're not gonna get the passion, the stories. I think people would rather have someone be authentic and less professional than someone who's perfect but gets it all wrong. I think David Goggins is probably the yeah, David Goggins is probably the exception, where if, if you really can't read it, fine, have somebody interview you at the end of each chapter, and at least they're getting your feel then. Well, and, and also, I mean, there's just that, that, that mere exposure effect of, I know I've heard, you know, like I've listened to Malcolm Gladwell and Seth Godin so many times, I feel like I know them. Sure. Yes, yes. Well, and you nailed it, I'll tell you what, because... If you're gonna have other product um, income streams, 
people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And when you can spend five, six, seven, eight hours whispering in someone's ear, <laughs> um, you've already built rapport. And you're right, people feel like they know you. And so then investing in their conference or their experience doesn't seem that crazy. But if you do have some professional narrator and you don't have that human connection, then it does feel awkward when you see them in person. You're like, yeah, this, this isn't the, the author that I know. I know, and it's, and it's funny because I feel like, I, you know, I've, I've had a few of the narrators on and I feel like I know the narrators better than I know some of the authors because there's the same narrator over and over again. And you're like, oh, I know your voice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. I know what um, you're talking about. Yeah. Well, and, and I know that we chatted pre, pre-show about NFTs, but non-fungible tokens, often that term causes people to do a double take or reject what we're saying or, you know, they think, oh, that's a JPEG that's overpriced, really, it, maybe this is the first time ever anyone's heard this. When you're an author and you create an ebook or an audiobook, that's a digital asset. So technically, you've already created an NFT. Now it's not one of one, but you have created a digital asset. So to then turn it into a non-fungible token, which is just simply a one of one, is not that much of a stretch. They've already created digital assets. Now what they're doing is they're essentially making them more unique. And as a result, there's a limited amount. And some of those NFTs can unlock certain benefits. Gary V, of course, made V Friends famous by saying, I'm going to create V Friends that have then different off-chain benefits. Some of these off-chain benefits could be, let's go bowling with Gary, or let's have a consulting session. But some of them also said, hey, let's unlock VCon, a conference that you can then gain admission to by being an NFT holder three years in a row. If you don't want the second or third year, you can sell it. And Gary will make 10% royalty off the secondary market and the NFT holder will. So. This is very advantageous for authors who recognize that they're going to be in this thing for a while. They could create incredible benefits. Like for you, uh, let's say you did a book. You might say, look, I'm going to issue five. And if we issue five, uh, they're going to be expensive. But you get a slot on my podcast where you're going to be featured. And that podcast is going to reach a ton of people. And as a result, you now sold your book, not for $9.99, but maybe $10,000 because it's great marketing and you've built a, a tribe and a following and a listenership. So yeah, this is exciting when, when people start realizing that NFTs are simply a container that holds other income streams with it. I, th I think that's absolutely crucial for people to understand NFTs. Because, you know, I, if you look at it as just the board ape thing and right. all that, and I think that's where people see, they see a graphic, they're like, I don't get it. But if you think right. of it as a container of value and yep. the whole non-fungible, you can't fake this, you can't replicate it. Because, I mean, I, I could say this is a first edition of a book and there's a chance, a 50% chance that it might be a complete fake. Absolutely. Or as a non-fungible token. Yeah, non-fungible token is 100% real. 
and it, it's 100 percent yeah and it's digital and if you look at the people you know uh, the, the sub millennials the younger than millennials digital is just as much a value to them as a real thing my son's buying stuff in roblox mm -hmm. and it's real value to him absolutely my son's on uh, fortnite and yeah and, and here's what i want you know the gen xers or boomers or millennials to realize we used to flex by driving a vehicle up to a party you know and all of a sudden you're like oh check out my convertible or something and people would be like wow that's that's social currency today because of covid you're driving up digitally to a gathering or a meetup and you have a digital flex option in addition to that there's also this nostalgic piece too where you know back in the day let's just say nirvana was was uh our go-to well imagine the fact that if nirvana said look we're a young band we're brand new we're gonna issue uh nfts and the way that we're going to pay for this album recording is by selling NFTs. And everyone who, who is a original owner of the NFT is going to get after party. Uh, they're going to get um, front row seats. They're going to get T-shirts. They're going to get um, whatever. You name it. They're going to get the opportunity to go to Europe with us. Who knows? The point is that you become a owner. So that, that's really interesting that NFTs have allowed us to become owners. I mean, I bought baseball cards in the day. It didn't mean that I owned Mickey Mantle, you know? But imagine if that NFT would have said like, oh, you can go to Mickey Mantle's uh, house and have a barbecue with him. Um, or you can go to his estate after he passes. Now all of a sudden it makes really cool sense. And now you wanna be one of these early founders. Not only that, because of a smart contract, you now have this ability for bragging rights where you can say like, hey, I liked Nirvana before it was even popular. And I was one of the original 200. So in, in, my, in my town, we have the 21 Pilots. Um, maybe, you, maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't, but 21 Pilots is um, Grammy Award winners. My, my kids go to the same school they, they went to. Um, I actually published the mom's book um, Kelly Joseph, Tyler's mom. The point is this, like there's some flex around Columbus, Ohio. When you say I was one of the original 100 that saw them in the basement before they uh, played at the Grammys. And now all of a sudden, you know, the fact that you're an original NFT holder, you could be earning perpetual rights for the rest of your life um when you create an nft so your descendants can earn 10 percent forever and ever and ever that simply go into your digital wallet anytime it, it it's passed through um a sale so yeah this is pretty powerful stuff you know and coming I, it's amazing from an income standpoint but right now i think it's a huge opportunity from a marketing standpoint because you're creating a, an mm. experience with your book aren't you and yes. and you're something different and what do you see happening when someone purchases the NFT? Because I feel like if someone does the, at that level in that book, they're much more invested in the book. And then, you know, and, and then there's that whole yep. idea of, of uh, continuity, uh, of uh, consistency. That's what I was looking mm. for, of consistency. You know, it's like, hey, yes. I just spent $20,000 yes. to be around this author. 
because of this NFT. Let me talk right. more about it. So let's let's take the movie, uh, for example, Twilight, which, you know, years ago, but let's just say when that was at the height, if you could have purchased an NFT and then Stephanie Meyer sold those and as a result, the NFT holder could shape the plot in the book or could have written in a character with their own name, suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, this... <laughs> This has become now memorialized. I mean, imagine if you if you could have had your name written in the Harry Potter series as one of Harry's friends. Why? Because you purchased an NFT, which it sounds it sounds maybe like gimmicky or marketing. But you know what? Go back to Picasso. Go back to uh, the uh, I'm talking like way long ago where you know, Raphael and Michelangelo. Oh, the Renaissance. Oh, yeah. Yep. The patrons. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is what the patrons were doing, where they would sell their talent for wealthy families. Why? Because they needed to fund their craft. Well, today, authors can fund their craft by creating additional values uh, for their readers. So if you're Stephanie Meyer and you're like, hey, I want to go to Scotland and, you know, let's see the backdrop of Twilight. And I'm not saying Twilight was in Scotland because I don't even know that series. But but you know what I'm saying? Like you could actually go travel with her. And and here's the other thing. She might teach you a fiction class. Okay. So um, why, you know, my conference, the Igniting Souls Conference, we're actually issuing NFTs as one way of purchasing a ticket and you can get a bonus class uh, that is pre-con it's called the pre-con workshop where we teach you digital wallets crypto and uh, minting so so i think i think um i think to answer your question we have to onboard our audience I can't just say, hey, listen, audience, you don't know anything about NFTs, but now you better learn and they're, they're not going to get it. And so what I've been doing is I've purposely said, I'm going to I'm going to create 30 episodes of blockchain content because I care about my audience so much so that now I'm and then I wrote a book on blockchain that comes out in October. Like I'm basically saying, look, audience. It's my responsibility to educate you and to bring you up to web three from web two. And, and you bet they're going to um, be honored and rewarded. And, and by the way, some left me. So some said, you're, you're a nut, you know? So I don't want people to think this is like super romantic. There's some people that said, ah, Carrie's crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping. Well, that's fine. But then six months from now, when, when they suddenly say, you know what? The Golden State Warriors created NFTs that build in value for each game that they win in the championship. Maybe there's something to this. Oh, oh, there's a fish restaurant where you only get in if you own an NFT. Okay. So what I'm saying is that we're moving this way as a world. And the early adopters will always be the early adopters and the late bloomers will always be the late bloomers. But I've chosen to say, you know, I'm going to be at cutting edge, take some hits and uh, bring my audience into this because I actually care about them. I think that it's a shame for me as a publisher to not be 
trailblazing with this technology. I love it. Yeah, and it and it shows. It, it engages people. It shows. And you know, I think there's a side thing that we haven't even talked about that's really just pretty obvious, but mm. we're not. Is that digital books? I mean, are you know we're buying physical books, but digital books are yes. becoming more and more a thing. I don't, you know, I buy very few physical books, but there is that souvenir that being, having an original version and you really couldn't have a edition one of Carrie's NFT book. I mean, you can have it, but it's not officially a edition one, but you can have that now and you come up with multiple editions down the road and you can have multiple NFTs that uh, put it out. Can't you? There's a guy named Matthew Ball who just came out with a book on the metaverse if Matthew Ball would have sold that audiobook, which I bought, pre-ordered it, but if he also would have included a $100, you know, NFT that would have had uh, launch night, live stream, ask Matthew anything, and you bet I would have purchased it. So I think sometimes that our audience actually wants to invest more but we're only like, ah, eh, I just have an ebook. I mean, think about it. Disney, <laughs> Disney, monster trucks, WW, I don't know. We called it WWF. What is it? WWE now? I don't even know. But the point is that there's all these experiences where people want to walk away with the super fan. They, they, they want to walk away with the investment of the souvenir that they can tell their friends, look where I went. Well, you guess what? Your digital wallet is now that gallery where you can share with your friends. You know, I was at the, um, you know, Ed Sheeran show with Taylor Swift when they sang this. And I mean, there is that desire where um, you, you want that. You want that social currency. I mean, Blue check marks are there for a reason. It sounds ridiculous until you realize that people are investing tens of thousands of dollars to get one. Yep. No, it is. And I think it, it'll set books apart. It'll give your digital book another chance. It's a, a better source of income, revenue, all those things. So tell me about your podcast. Yeah. So I, I even though I did 500, I'll, I'll say it again. Even though I did 500 episodes of the Igniting Souls Conference over seven or eight years in December of 2021, I said, you know what? I'm going to kill it all. Uh, I, I really did. I said, I'm going to kill it all and I'm going to do blockchain life. And so I'm, I'm actually big into um, killing off things, <laughs> not people. But, but I, I am, I just, I really am like, um, I'm killing my mastermind, you know, like why it's going great. It's lucrative because as a creator, I have to be doing new things. And some people are not comfortable with that. Some people are like, Hey, listen, man, you know, I want to go ride. It's a small world after all over and over again for the last, you know, 50 years. That's not me. And uh, I want to be like, hey, let's create the next thing. So I think I think people who follow me realize we're going on a crazy journey. I don't know the exact path where we're going, but we're going to have a ton of fun. And it's going to be innovative and, and creative and risky. 
and we're going to learn so much along the way. So I, I like that, and that's kind of who I hang with. I mean, look at U2, U2 the band. There were people who dropped off following them when they went with their album Pop. And I'm talking like way, this, this dates me, but oh well. But I mean, there were people who said, what, U2? Now, like we shut up. We just want the old stuff. Look, there's you're not going to find things. Um, you learn so much about yourself as an artist and a thought leader. I mean, look at me. Uh, Christian books I started with. Then I went into business. Then I went into self help. Then I went into fiction. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, I wait till you see what comes next. But. But I feel like if I'm bored, my audience is bored. I love it. Yeah. No, it's great. And it's counterintuitive somewhat, but <laughs> it, it fulfills yeah. you too. And it allows you to find more and more things. It does. It does. Like if, I, if I'm not having fun, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm not having fun and if I'm singing the same song that I sang for 40 years, I'm not going to be enjoying it. And, you know, in a weird way, I don't know. I've never, you're bringing out crazy stuff in me today, but, but, this is why Nirvana. This is why Kurt Cobain killed himself. Honestly, like he he wasn't having fun anymore. And and I feel like you know what? As artists, um, we better be modeling the way. And and I'm not saying let's all commit suicide, but I'm saying like you gotta be having fun. And and I am having a ton of fun. And so my my conference this year, wow, it's all Web three. And some people think I'm I'm a nut because we we killed the Author Academy Awards that that we literally had as a success. But after four years of it, I was like, you know, I can't just do it again. I'm not into it. And so it's Web three. We got Casper Labs. We have NFT artists. We have a we have a metaverse architect from Spain coming. I mean, how crazy is that? Because I'm in the room learning and I want to grow. Love it. I love it. So besides the podcast, uh, we can send people at ignitingsouls.com. What's the best place to follow you in, on this journey? Yeah, so I, I got I got like uh, carryoverbrunner.com. I encourage people, why not? Check out my fiction book, Elixir Project. It's about a future society, as I mentioned, where people's brain get hacked it's fun. I mean, it's, it's, oh, so, so get this. Um, people said for years, your model will never work with fiction. I mean, they said that they said 18 streams of income. You can't do that with fiction. That will never work. And I felt like it was inauthentic to, to tell people on the webinar, trust me, it'll work. Trust me, it'll work. So finally I'm like, you know what? In 2016, I said, I'm going to go make it work. And so we created 18 streams of income around elixirprojectbook.com. You can see them all there. There's a course, there's a keynote speech, there's a conference, there's a workshop immersion experience. We did it, you know? And so um, I just feel like people, people Google things and then they get really dumb answers. Like if you go to Google and say, can I make money with fiction? Google's going to tell you no. Well, go tell Harry Potterville, you know, go tell, um, go tell Marvel Comics or whatever that fact. They're not going to care. So, you know, stop taking cues from people who are spectators. Uh, I respect the person. I love that quote about um, uh, 
what's that quote about man. Roosevelt? I think he said, the "Man in the arena." Person. Yeah, yeah, man in the yeah. ring, right? Yeah, that, there you go. That's it. Yeah, like that person knows failure. I respect that person rather than the person who just is watching in the crowd. I love it. I love it. So everyone make sure to follow Carrie. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on. Get some ideas for NFTs for your book. I think everyone needs to be thinking about it for mm. both marketing and making money off of it. Uh, but Carrie, thank you so much for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. I had a blast. Thanks for all you're doing and thanks for taking risks. You're somebody worth following. And and by the way, people, if you like his show, review it <laughs> and, and rate it because we, you know, I'm a podcaster. We need that stuff. So thanks so much for having me today. And yes, thank you. And it, uh, this has been fun. It's something different. I think you've got to be different to stand out. Mm. Some of you, 1% of you will take this risk with NFTs. Make sure to understand that that's standing out is what's going to get you through the noise. But I really appreciate it, Carrie. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you all for taking Carrie and I on our journey. It's been Iron Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it will make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads. Better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. Facebook.